The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly is with me in studio. Minister, you're welcome Kieran, uh, to studio. Good evening. Um, so, how would you describe the situation in emergency departments today? We had those record-breaking numbers earlier in the week on trolleys. They've come down a little bit, still very, very high up until today. What's the situation today? The situation is better today, Kieran. So, I'm delighted to see that. We've had a 50% reduction in the number of patients on trolleys over the last uh, three days. And the figures we I have just in the last few hours show that they've come down further again today. Now we'll see where we're at at 8am tomorrow. Um, but as you quite rightly say, we had uh, very, very high figures Monday and Tuesday. And I'd like to really acknowledge the stress for patients um, for their families and for our own healthcare workers. I want to thank our healthcare workers. There's been very extensive engagement with the HSE between myself, the department, the HSE really is um, is having an, a, a whole of healthcare, a whole of health system approach to this at the moment. And I think they've really done very well to get the numbers down by half uh, in just three days. Nonetheless, uh, the situation is, it's difficult. Uh, some hospitals are doing very well. Some hospitals are reporting uh, no patients or just one or two patients on trolleys. Other hospitals, as we know, are under uh, under sustained pressure. So the focus now, I had a, a meeting with the, the HSC senior team just in the last few hours, and the focus right now is on this weekend. So what we saw at the start of this week was we saw a, a build-up uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, we want to alleviate that to the greatest extent possible. Mm. More senior decision-makers there, but critically, uh, not just them. We need They need support, so they need access to diagnostics, they need access to discharge teams, to health and social care professionals and so forth. So what the HSC has reported to me in the last few hours is they've had a very uh, positive response from the hospitals and critically they've had a very positive response uh, from the community side as well because because it requires both. Um, and so what I'd like to do is just give, give my own thanks to all of the healthcare workers who are responding uh, to that call so that all of these patients can be seen as quickly as possible. So what is your reaction then to the news that some of those healthcare workers, nurses, the INMO, the representative body, uh, have today taken the decision to begin a period of consultation on a campaign of industrial action in pursuance of safe staffing levels? Well, the safe staffing framework is something that's agreed government policy. It's something that we've discussed with the INMO uh, many times, there there are several phases to it. Phase one is around uh, the wards and getting more nurses per patient into the wards. The INMO quite rightly have said they'd like to see that moving faster. So would I. Uh, nonetheless, we've hired four and a half thousand more nurses and midwives over the last three years. We've had record recruitment. In fact, this year, 2023, is set to be the fourth year of record recruitment uh, into the HSE ever, which is very, very encouraging. A few months ago, I launched phase two of the safe staffing approach, and that's for emergency departments. So it means more nurses, more advanced nurse practitioners, uh, more healthcare assistants into the uh, into the emergency departments. But despite those uh, record-breaking years of hiring, the INMO and representatives from the INMO this week have described the situation as inhumane, unacceptable, impossible and traumatising for their members. Do you accept that assessment? Oh, I, I've been in several emergency departments just this week. Obviously, I'm in emergency departments regularly anyway, but just this week, I've been speaking to nurses. You know, I was in Kilkenny last night and I was with the nursing team uh, in the Kilkenny emergency department and they have sanction for the nursing staff that they need. Uh, they've got a, they've got a, an, another advanced nurse practitioner starting now in the next few days. They're very excited about that. But the, what they were saying to me was what they're struggling with is not so much 
getting getting sanctioned to hire enough nurses. Mm. It's it's hiring permanently into those roles. So at the moment they're struggling with that. At the moment they're um, they're reliant on more agency agency staff. You know, and what you want and what they want, obviously, is is long term permanent teams in place. And so that's one of the things that we were talking to them about. How can we do that? How can the HSC help? How can the department uh, department? But how help? can you help in the short term? Because I know a nurse in that very emergency department that you were in yesterday, who last weekend was on her own in a waiting room, screaming for some help because she was trying to hold up a twenty stone man who was having a fit, and she was on her own, and she was on her own for a long time mm-hmm. until someone came to her. Like she was in physical danger because of the state of that emergency department. And well, and that was in Kilkenny. Yeah. Well, obviously that should never happen. I, I'm surprised to hear it in that in Kilkenny, in St. Luke's Hospital, they're very proud about how they run. Uh, they don't even call it the emergency department. They say they're acute floor because they said we have, they have emergency, they have medical assessment, they have surgical assessment, uh, they have lots of different path- pathways. They have an empty ward about two floors above it. Sure. Full of beds. No staff though. Sure. Well, as I said, you know, a lot of staff have been sanctioned uh, and more staff have been hired in the last three years than ever before. But do we need to move uh, further? We do. And that's why this year we've sanctioned an additional uh, 6,000 staff into the HSE. And, and, and that is going to translate into more progress on safe staffing in the wards and more progress on safe staffing in the emergency departments. So in terms of the, the short term measures then to, to alleviate the, the, the crisis, the acute crisis at the moment, uh, there is, as you say, kind of an access to diagnostics and other resources over the weekend to discharge teams, more senior clinicians uh, on call. I mean, that's very much kind of emergency response, isn't it? I mean, you know, more clinicians there unless we're talking about hiring more clinicians between now and the weekend, that's asking clinicians who have been working all week. We spoke to a a consultant in emergency medicine yesterday who had worked a full day shift, was on call all night and is now, probably in the next 40 minutes, finishing up the next day shift. So kind Mm. of 36 hours straight, effectively working. Now to ask him to go on and work this weekend, again, it's maybe a case of any port in a storm, but we can't do that long term. No, we certainly cannot do that long term. So we have short term measures and we have long term measures. The short-term measures over the last three days are working. So we've seen a 50% reduction in the number of patients on trolleys, and that's that's very welcome. The short-term measures now over the weekend, we'll see. We'll see where we get to on Monday, but certainly the HSE report have reported to me that it is all hands on deck. Uh, and so what we want, the, the numbers may still go up, but we need to minimise how, uh, how much they do go up. But long-term, what we're in the middle of is the single biggest expansion of our public service and, and reform of our public service there has ever been. So over the last three years, we have record beds, record diagnostics, record workforce. Uh, we're now, we've authorised the building of several new hospitals uh, and we're building up critically an entire new community healthcare service because mm. many, probably most of the solutions to the ED pressures are not found in the emergency departments. They're found outside the emergency departments whereby patients have options so that they don't go to the uh, don't go to the emergency department don't need to go or if they've been admitted to hospital they can be discharged back home as quickly as possible yeah but i mean what's the time scale for the implementation of that you know we, we, I, I i i'm listening as long as i can remember to talk about more care in the community as a way to alleviate pressure on hospitals i'm yet to see the impact of it on hospitals so we are seeing the impact now, right? So uh, in Kilkenny last night or in St. Vincent's or in, in, in Beaumont, which I was in during... Can't get a GP in Kilkenny. And you can't get a GP anywhere in Ireland. And 60 or rather a quarter of our GPs, 25% of them, are over 60. So when we talk about community care, I mean, there's a 
retirement time bomb ticking there? There's several parts to community care. You're absolutely right. We don't have enough GPs. And actually, the bigger deficit is practice nurses, right? So probably the best at this um, are the Dutch. And for every uh, three GPs in Ireland, we have about one practice nurse. For every three GPs, they have about nine. They have a completely different model. So part of our approach in terms of providing GP cards to an extra half million people and acknowledging that that will increase the demands on general practice, uh, we are going to be investing a substantial amount of public money in supporting GPs with things like more practice nurses. However, the GPs are quite rightly saying that we need more GPs. Back in 2010, uh, we had about 120 GPs in training. We now have twice that. And in the coming years, we'll have three times that. The other thing we need to do, Kieran, is we need to, I believe we need to double um, healthcare college places uh, here in Ireland. So we have a lot of medical places, but nearly half of them are used for training of non-EU uh, doctors who tend to, you mm. know, not stay in the country after they've been trained. But I think we need to probably double the amount of nursing places, midwifery places, health and social care professional places, um, uh, dentists, pharmacists, right across the board. Yeah. Because what we have to do is build permanent capacity in our public system. Uh, and what we are addressing, and we're, we're, we are moving at pace, what we are addressing is a deficit of capacity that is that has been building up over a very long time. Can I ask you to put on the headphones there and just take a, a, a quick listen uh, to somebody who spoke to us in the show, or rather spoke to Henry McKean, our reporter, Geraldine Bollard is her name. She's 78 and she spent several hours waiting to be seen at Beaumont Hospital. I had to sit on a chair waiting to see a doctor, get bloods done, get um, tests done for a uh, cobra. An hour in the other cobra part, back out into the other parts for two days. A steel chair. Steel chair. Steel chair, yeah. yeah. And um, nothing to eat. And I'm a diabetic. Nothing to eat? No, I'm a diabetic. I had to wait till the following morning to get something. I have a lot of uh, spine, I have um, neck, spine disease. And I think it's a chronic service for people that's elderly and for all young people. That was Geraldine speaking to us a little bit earlier. Text has just come in. Hard to listen to this from the Minister. I'm 27 hours waiting in the emergency department in Our Lady of Lourdes in Drogheda. It is disgraceful. What do you say to those people? I'd say a few things to those people. The first thing I'd say is nobody should be experiencing what what that patient experienced in Beaumont and nobody should be waiting in Drogheda for 27 hours. No one is suggesting that that is okay. It's not okay to me. It's not okay to the HSE. And it's not okay to the men and women working in the emergency departments either. Um, that's the first thing I'd say. I want to acknowledge that it is not okay. The second thing I need to say is we do need to bear in mind that what we are experiencing here in Ireland, which is a combination of COVID flu and RSV at a level that has never before been seen, is being experienced right across Europe. So these kinds of cases and pressures right now this evening are being felt in Northern Ireland, in Britain, France, Germany, Spain, Portugal, Austria, Switzerland. The list goes on. So what Europe is now in the middle of is an unprecedented winter pressure because we have this very heavy and early flu season. We still have a lot of RSV cases and we're still dealing with COVID, the worst health crisis in 100 years. That's the second thing I'd say. The third thing I'd say is this government recognises that we need to substantially increase at pace capacity in our public health service and reform it so that we have a community-based healthcare service where people go to hospital only when they need to go to hospital. 
there's a lot more we need to do. But what all I want to say is over the last three years, it is important. I'm not coming in here saying this is mm. something we should do. We have we have been adding capacity at the fastest level since the foundation of the HSC. And I'm here to say that we are absolutely serious about continuing with that building up of the permanent capacity in our and system. And what do you say to people, though, who, who wonder where the evidence of all that capacity is? Because we have record trolley numbers. We don't have enough home help hours. We don't have enough step-down facilities. We don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough nurses. We don't have enough practice nurses. I mentioned the shortage of GPs. We talk about community care all the time. We've got shortcomings there. We've got shortcomings in the CAMS service. We've got children with additional needs who wait several years for an assessment of needs that's legally guaranteed to them within six months under the Disability Act. And we've got almost a million people on some form of hospital waiting list. Why I mean, I know you're not responsible directly yeah. for all of that. It predates you, but you're the man in charge and the book stops with you. And that's pretty stark. It is. And so the question for me, the question for government is, um, coming into this two and a half years ago, what can government do? What can the HSC do? So what government has done, first of all, we acknowledge this and I acknowledge these things need to be fixed. So to that end, we've invested funding and public funding at a level that has never before been seen. We've sanctioned posts and beds and hospitals and diagnostics and community services at a level that has never before been seen. And to the HSE's great credit, whilst not all of the targets have been met, I think to their great credit, in the middle of dealing with the worst health crisis in 100 years, they have managed to increase capacity at levels that have never before been seen. Is it enough? Clearly it is not, right? Now, I I would say if we weren't dealing with this perfect storm of flu, COVID and RSV, we would not be seeing the pressures we're seeing. So the pres- Ah, come on. We'd still have huge pressure. There's no way on God's green earth elective surgeries would be happening in hospitals up and down this country this winter without that Kieran, triple threat. Well, They're cancelled every year. Look, as, as Damien McCallion said, it, sorry, that may well be true. But I'm talking about the, the very serious pressure. The lady listening to us right now in Drahada waiting 27 hours and the lady we just heard in Beaumont and many others. Um, that very serious pressure would be lessened. So Damien McCallion, who's the chief operating officer of the HSE, said during the week that about 1,500 beds in the HSE uh, have patients in them just with flu, COVID or RSV. And it is important for us to remember, whilst we are always asking for and demanding more of our public health service, the best run, the the best resourced health services in Europe right now are experiencing these pressures as well. When conceivably, do you think we might see all of this investment come to fruition? When might we have a winter when the national media doesn't talk about a trolley crisis, given it's 1997 when Mary Harney, I think, announced that or made the declaration that it was a national crisis? Well, the last two winters didn't see this level of pressure. So we saw a very substantial drop in pressure last winter and the previous winter. Uh, because even though we were dealing with COVID and there was RSV, there was basically no flu. Um, and I'm sure the people calling into into your show, certainly the, the healthcare workers I'm talking to in the emergency departments, they're saying what's coming in at the moment is flu. And particularly people... Yeah, but there'll be flu again next winter. We're not going to go back to the situation that per- persisted last winter and the winter before. I mean, there they're will. kind of silly comparisons there to will. Me, Minister. There will. No, no, no. You, well, you, you, you ask and have we had a winter where there hasn't been this level of pressure? And I'm saying yes. I ask, I ask the, when, the, the when is two. the next winter we will get through without talking about a trolley crisis? And the answer is maybe when we have another lockdown and we don't spread flu and RSV no, to each other. I, know. I don't think people want to hear it. Well, no, nor is that remotely what I'm saying. And I, I think in fairness, Kieran, you know, yeah, you know that. It's impossible to answer that. It's impossible for anyone to answer that question because we don't know what's going to happen next uh, next winter. 
like this winter right now, we're dealing with an unprecedented level of pressure. What I can say is that everything that can be done is being done. Everybody that can be hired is being hired. Every bed that can be put in place is going to be put in place. We've seen a massive expansion of community care. You were asking, when will we see the change? So the new community service is already uh, uh, carrying some of the burden that otherwise would be in our emergency departments right now. I've sanctioned a a new community service with three and a half thousand healthcare professionals in it. Um, A little less than 2,000 of them are now in place Uh, We've over 90 new primary care teams, a lot more primary care centres, a lot more access to diagnostics for GPs uh, and specialist teams in the community working with GPs to 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 treat and care for patients in their community. So I know earlier in the week you you acknowledged this and things might get worse before they get better. When or how long do you suspect this will last? Like what, what are the modelers within the HSE and Department of Health telling you about the trajectory of flu and RSV and COVID in the community? Mm. And I suppose I, I'm conscious of people listening to this, like that person who's on the hospital trolley, people who worry that in the next few weeks they might end up on a hospital trolley or the staff in the INMO are talking about industrial action who want to know how long this will last for. The advice I have, I was talking to the Chief Medical Officer earlier on, now in terms of how long the the, the trolley numbers will remain high. It, it is very difficult for the HSE to give us an accurate figure on that, right? But what I can say is RSV is now trending down strongly. We're over the peak of RSV. Um, the increase this week in uh, hospital patients who have the flu, it's gone up again this week. So it'll be higher. We're, so we're not, we're not through the peak, but the rate of increase has slowed. So there's less extra patients this week than last week. Really, the last two weeks, there was this huge influx of patients with flu, particularly over 65, over 75 years of age. There are more again this week, um, but it is slowing down. And COVID has been broadly flat at about 650 patients for about the last two and a half weeks. So so, so that's where we are with that. The focus right now um, is on this weekend, is on the coming week, and then is on next weekend in moving to much higher discharge over the weekend. So traditionally, less than 10% of patients are discharged over the weekend, which causes this big build-up on Mondays and Tuesdays. Um, the new consultant contract is designed specifically to address this, to move to being able to roster more diagnostics, more senior decision-makers in the hospitals uh, late in the evenings, on Saturdays, for, for, for exactly this reason. Mm. One thing I would say is there's something that we can all do as well, right? Um, every, anyone who hasn't got the flu vaccine can still go and get the flu vaccine. It's available, it's effective, and it will help. Anyone who is due their latest COVID vaccine can go and get that. Um, the chief medical officer um, is is saying again and again, anyone who has symptoms, you know, flu-like symptoms, mm. please stay at home. Now, obviously, anyone who feels they're critically ill, call your GP or or, or go to hospital. Um, but for general, you know, for ge- general symptoms... Um, stay at home and do wear the masks on public transport, do wear them in the indoor crowded settings and obviously in healthcare facilities as well. Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. Minister, thanks many for joining us Thank here you. in studio. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.